All right. Hey, everybody. I want to welcome you to today's edition of Bible News Radio, produced by Heart Tug International. Yeah, it is. Hey, today is going to be our last live show of 2021. And um, I personally just got a couple of words to share with you right here from the top of my heart. Or is it the bottom of my heart, right? It's the top of the... Anyway, it's not the heart of my bottom. Just remember that. Okay, people. That was supposed to be funny. Happy almost new year. I know a lot of people are um, kind of, you're, you're dreading 2022, aren't you? <laughs> I've been seeing so many people online, like dreading 2022. And you know what, though? I am not. I am eternal. I am an eternal optimist, just so you know, in case you didn't know that. <clears throat> I can see the good in pretty much anything. And, um, you know, 2021 has been a hard year for so many of us. I mean, I've had, I've had my trials. I can tell you, you know, my dad died this year. I couldn't play pickleball most of the year because of my hip and my leg and falling and, um, you know, financial struggles, um, you know, relationship issues, sometimes getting back into therapy. I mean, I could go on and tell you a whole bunch of fun stuff that's happened to me this year, but what I want to focus on is that even in all of that, it's been good. You know why? Because God is good. And if you take the time to learn the lessons that God has for you, then you're always going to come out on the top, right? I mean, as far as your attitude. See, perspective and attitude is everything. And, and I know some of you probably have heard this story I'm going to share, but... I'm going to share just a little brief story, and that that happens to be, it, it's I don't even know if this is an actual story or not, real if it really happened, but it happens to be about attitude, really, and it concerns two people who are in a hospital and they're both laying in a bed, right? They they each had their own bed, and the guy who was near the window every single day would talk about how great it was watching stuff outside the window, and you know he would tell stories to the person. Uh, who was in the other bed, who couldn't look out the window. And then that person passed away. And so the one who was in the bed really far from the window was like, hey, I want to I go ahead and lay in that bed so I can see out the window. And they moved that person. And when they looked out the window, all there was was a brick wall. You see what you want to see. That's the point. And... So if you're somebody who has had, you know, uh, a year that it's been difficult, always remember that there are good things that come out of those difficulties. Um, you know, in fact, I was thinking about it this morning. I was thinking about the Apostle Paul, who, if you want to talk about difficulties, oh my gosh, the Apostle Paul, <laughs> he has a list of stuff that he went through. But one of the things, as I was, I was taking a shower, I was thinking about this right before the show. I was actually thinking about this. Paul said, I know what it was like to be content with plenty and to be in want. You know, and this guy is the guy that penned most of the New Testament for us. He was in jail when he did it. Um, he did have plenty. But he also was in want. I mean, this guy was flogged. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. You know, um, he went through a whole bunch of stuff. Most of us, we would be like crying in our coffee for all eternity if we had to go through it, right? I mean, we're all wimpy compared to Paul, okay? Just saying. 
Uh, and and this morning, as I was reading in Second Chronicles, I know a book everybody reads, right? So I was I, I've been I'm I'm almost done reading the Bible for this year. I have to give a shout out to my friend Pam, who uh, encouraged us last year to be part of Bible reading accountability groups, where I have been in those groups, been leading them, and and um, you know the goal was just to read through the Bible. And yay! I can't believe it. I'm almost done. Second Chronicles is my last book, um, and I have to tell you that um, this morning I'm reading. And I'm reading about how Solomon built the temple. And, you know, I never understood the history of the temple prior to this. I didn't understand David and his desire to build the temple. And God told him no, pretty much because he was a man of bloodshed. And he said, no, I'm going to have your son do it. And Solomon, the wisest man who's ever lived, I would say outside of Jesus himself, um, he has this great task of building a temple so that God could come and show up and be there with them. And as I'm reading in, in Second Chronicles, the first couple of chapters, it blew me away how much gold was mentioned. There was gold on everything. There was gold on the bowls. There was gold on the utensils. There was gold on the cherubim. There was gold everywhere. But you know what I noticed? I actually shared this with, with, with my group this morning was there was even gold on the tiny little nails that they used to hammer the cedar and, you know, all this other stuff. There was gold-plated nails, right? And you're thinking, well, what's, well, that's stupid. Well, no, I'm not thinking that it's stupid. I'm thinking it's interesting because if, if Solomon cared for that minute detail to make a golden nail to build the temple so that could be laid over and all this gold. How much more so the minute details of our life? You know, I was in a, I was teaching a Bible class not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago. I've been leading this um, other class. And I asked the women in the class, I said, how many of you have ever considered your biggest weakness to really be a big blessing to other people without you even being aware of it. And there were some older ladies in the class and one woman, she was like, it was like her eyes went, got really big. And she's like, I never thought about it. You know, just like Moses had an excuse that he couldn't speak, you know, <laughs> and yet God used him mightily. I, I would agree. I, I'm, you know, I'm one of those. I'm like Moses. I don't, you know, I know that God has given me the ability to speak, the gift to speak. I know that he has given me a charismatic personality, which has annoyed me most of my life because <laughs> I've always felt like an outlier. Like, you know, like I'm over there. I don't fit in. And yet, as I've thought about some stuff, it's occurred to me that the things that I often go, Ugh, I don't really care for in my life. And these are the things that make me awkward or whatever. It's those things that God has used to further the gospel through my life. And, you know, to, to use me in a way that there, I couldn't have ever been used before, right? And so as I've thought about the year, I've thought about the ups and downs and all that. And, and we all know somebody who's died, right? I mean, raise your hand. Come on. We all know somebody who's died of COVID or an associated disease. Um, it's, it's been a tough year. And 2022 might be a tough year for some of us too. 
but it might not either. You know, it might not be a 20. It might not be as tough for us. It's all about our perspective. You know, I've been struggling through, um, well, and I, I, will share, I, I will share this. Yesterday, as I was reading in First Chronicles, nearing the end of the book, um, it says that Satan incited David to take a census to count the people in Israel. And you're like, okay, what's that got to do with anything? <laughs> I know, right? Well, the Bible is very interesting. So I was reading through this and it goes, it goes on to talk about how David went ahead. He started counting the people uh, and all this. And then he repented, right? He repented of it. And then God told Gad, the seer Gad, to go and tell David, hey, you know what? I'm going to give you three options on basically how I'm going to discipline you. You need to pick which one you want to you you want as my punishment. Basically, <laughs> there's a point to this, and um, I I read I'm reading this and I'm like, first of all, I've never heard a sermon on this, so you know I don't have anybody else's perspective on this. And I'm reading this and I'm thinking, huh, David is a man after God's own heart. Um, he did something that God didn't like. He repented of it, even though Satan incited him. And now God's saying, okay, you got three choices. Pick which one, what your punishment is. Well, listen, th- what this did was created a conversation on my Facebook page with some friends of mine about ultimately the sovereignty of God, right? And the reality is, is that God allows bad things to happen to us. He allows temptations to come into our life and he doesn't tempt us but he allows the devil to tempt us but he also tells us in his word that we're supposed to resist the devil and he'll flee from us right david didn't current david did not do that um he also though allows the devil to to you know to to sift us he told peter he was going to be sifted when jesus himself was tempted by the devil i mean you talk about a massive temptation jesus went through it all um, there was a whole bunch of things that took place, and, but we don't understand God's sovereignty. Like in the book of Job, you know, <laughs> you can look at Job. Yeah. From over here, I can read, Oh, you know, Job, what a man, you know, but I'm, you know, and people like to bag on Job's wife and I'm like, I'm sorry, but if you've ever had a sick husband and lost 10 children of your own to death and all your property, I think you would be like her too. I mean, just saying, have a little compassion on, on her, but she told Job to curse God and die. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll give her that. But how many of you think you would be able to keep your mouth shut too? Job's friend sat for seven days silently with him. But then after that week was over, the rest of the book is all about them basically telling Job, well, if you had done this, if you had done that, then this would not have happened. And they were all wrong, right? They were all wrong. And Job, you know, he, he curses the day of his birth. He longs for the day of his death. <laughs> he gets in this conversation with God, and God is basically like, hey, basically... Where were you when the foundations of the earth was was um, was built? And, he, and he, he never answers Job's questions. He actually, the book never actually answers any of that. 
So what's my point? My point is, is that God is sovereign and maybe sometimes we see things we don't understand because we're not God. We think we are sometimes. We think that we know everything. The reality is, is we don't, but God is working stuff out. He sees the end from the beginning. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end, the first and the last, and he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I don't know about you, but hey, this, he is worthy to be praised, and the fact that you're here is worthy of that. And I will just say this about Second Chronicles, getting back to that, and then I will open up with, another, with, a, with a verse, and that will actually tie into our topic today. If God cared enough to have Solomon make gold-plated nails for the temple, and then we read in Second Chronicles how the Lord came in and he filled the temple, This morning as I read that, I think it blew me away because, you know, we're so used to being New Testament believers where we have the Holy Spirit within us. He resides within us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God is in us, right? Um, So we don't have this idea that we got to go to a temple and worship God and then he shows up as this fog, basically, (laughs) We don't have that experience. And yet, as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about how cool it was. It must have been that first time when Solomon had built the temple and all these tens of thousands of people worked on it with him. And then they had big, huge worship, um, you know, assembly and everything. And then poof, God shows up. Because see, God didn't need a temple. That was his point to David prior. I'm not asking you to build this. I reside in tents. I go around, you know, Um, you know, heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. Basically. Remember we see that in Psalms. So I, I thought how cool it must've been for Solomon to actually have Jesus show up or the Lord show up in the temple in that form after the temple was built for him. Think about that. I mean, really think about it. It's kind of mind blowing when you actually think about it. Which leads me to the topic of the day, and that is, how do you know you're really saved? You know, this is a question I've had asked of me numerous times from people who watch the show, from friends of mine, uh, people who are concerned about their salvation. They want to make sure that they're really saved. Some people don't care. Let me just tell you this right now. If you're somebody that doesn't care, then you don't care. Most likely you're not saved. You don't care if you don't care, right? But I will say that if you do care and you want to know how you're a true believer, then um, we can easily get the answers to that. Wait a minute. Most likely you're not saved. I got to stop that. (laughs) I really don't care. I hear, is there a voice in this house? There, <laughs> I was opening this in order to see comments if I could see them. Anyway, so my point is, is if, uh, if you don't care that you're saved or you don't want to care, then that's one thing. But if you do care, uh, part of the reason I'm bringing this up today is because it's really been on my heart the last couple of weeks um, to really um, 
share the gospel and to not be ashamed of the gospel and to remember that, look, you guys, our life is fleeting. I don't know about you, but I'm over 50, which means I'm closer to death than I am life, right? I mean, I'm closer to my day of death than I was when I was born, most likely, right? I have less life ahead of me than I did in the past if God allows me to live a couple more decades. Um, And I have to say that... um, We live in a day and age where there's false teachers, false prophets, false everything everywhere. And, you know, we're going to talk about Bishop Desmond Tutu in a little bit. You know, Uh, I will just say really quickly, he died this week. Um, Great man. You know, he fought apartheid. Uh, He did great things. But my question is, was he really saved? Was he really saved? Well, according to Matthew chapter 7, Beginning of verse 13, yes, I did get there eventually, Randall. (laughs) The Bible says, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. There are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, may he be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house. And it fell, and great was its fall. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. I don't know about you guys, but to be honest with you, part of me wants to cry right now as I've read this passage, because... If you think about the level of deception that's going on right now in the body of Christ, and you think about all of these teachers and, and beliefs that are out there that purport to be Christian, you know, I heard a story this week, and I think this is why it's been on my heart so much, is um, Pastor Billy Crown, who I absolutely love. I highly, highly recommend him. Um, his website is Get a Life. Uh, getalifeministries.com, I think. It might be getalifemedia.com. It's getalifemedia.com. If you go to his website, this man came out of the New Age movement. He, uh, part of his testimony is that he believes, that he said that he was demonic. He had demons in him before God cast him out. I mean, he was completely 
sold out to Satan when God saved this man. And he now has been called to preach the gospel. And one of the things that he shares a lot about is he talks about all these different teachings that are out there and how, how can we know what we know to be true? And he outlines these different things and it's amazing. He was sharing and he, he just started a series on James, the, the book of James. Um, and one of the things that he brought out is that the book of James, first of all, was the very first book written in the New Testament. Okay, it's written by the brother of Jesus, a.k.a. Jacob. Was it, Really, Jacob is the name of the book, James. Um, and it was the first book written in the New Testament. And it was written to warn people about false teaching and to be able to point out, this is what you need to do in order to know that you're really saved. You know, um, and, and what happened, what, what has happened in church history and all that is that the book of James has basically, you know, we get the works faith argument in there uh, because people look at that. But when you re- look at the whole thing, Billy is really right. It really does talk about how do you stand during trials? Because most people, and actually somebody th- even this morning was talking about this in my group, uh, most people when they struggle and they have bad things happen, they waver in their faith. You know, one of the big things that has happened in the last few years in the body has been these big name Christian people. Um, you know, whether they're a Christian artist, a book author, or, uh, you know, or a musician or, or even a pastor, they've come out and said, I'm, I'm, I don't believe this anymore. I'm actually an atheist, you know, but anyway, so Billy shared this story though. He shared the story about this woman that went um, to one of his churches. And um, in the beginning, when Billy started to preach, he, he said that he believed that he believed the 50-50 rule, basically that 50% of the people in the church were not saved, 50% were. He said when he did some research, he found that the late uh, Dr. D. James Kennedy actually had his percentage a little bit higher. He actually believed that 20% in the body of Christ who go to church are actually really Christians. 80% aren't. Well, how do you know? You know them by their fruit. Well, anyway, he talks about this lady who was a pillar of this church. And she went and she taught Sunday school. She was head of the women's ministry. She did everything that would be considered Christian and yet she ne- and she was in this church for like 40 years and yet never was a disciple never got born again and she told billy that if she had died she said the thing that scared her the most is that the church would have put her off and gave her the this greatest she was the godliest woman in the world funeral but she would have went straight to hell because she didn't know the lord and so my question to you is do you know the lord Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? And do you love him? You know, do you? You know, our life here is like a vapor, you guys. This isn't a joke. I have good friends that have died this year, including my dad. You know, um, I'm still grieving the loss of some of my friends because I'm just like shocked that they're gone. I just found out another friend of mine from Pickleball died a couple days ago. You know, so you don't know when your day of reckoning is going to be. And so my question is, do you know if you're saved? Do you know the Lord? You know, John 
chapter 14 is one of my favorite chapters because in it, um, the disciples, they're struggling with Jesus leaving, leaving him. And Jesus is like saying, hey, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Hey, I'm going to go. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare some places, you know, some mansions, then you can come with me. Um, and then the famous verse taken out of context is John 14, 6, where he replies, he answers a question and he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth and the life. No one comes to the father, but through me, period. That's in John 14, verse 6. John 1, 12, which is in the first chapter of John, actually says to, to as many who have received him, referring to Jesus, to them, he gave the right to become children of God. Not everybody is a child of God, guys. We're all creations of God. We're all made by God, but not every single person is a child of God. You cannot be a child of God until you receive Christ. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Yeshua, he is a cornerstone of our faith. He is the whole reason we have our faith. If you have a Christless Christianity, you have no Christianity at all. If you ignore Jesus in your life, my question is, how can you call yourself a Christian if you ignore everything that he said? Going back to Matthew 7, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do, etc. in my name? He's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Who the heck are you? Get out of here. And yet, here's the thing. Did you know that in America, and this is an old stat, but in America, it used to be that almost every single home in America had three Bibles in it. And yet, most of them are dusty. Pick them up, <laughs> blow off the dust, because nobody reads them. Right? Um, did you know that the largest Bible printing press in the world is in China, which is a communist nation, right? They have the largest underground church in the world. Um, and Amityville Press is the Bible printing. It's the largest printing, printing house in the world. And yet the, the three self church there in China, they will tell their pastors, you can preach this, 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 and this. You can't preach this, 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 or that because their dictator doesn't want Jesus to be worshiped or anything. So my question is, do you know God? Do you know Jesus? Do you know, do you know what he did for you? Do you know how much he loves you? And are you ready to meet him on that day, on your day of reckoning when God calls you home? Whether it's through the rapture, well, you won't be raptured if you're not a believer, you'll be left behind. But are you ready if, if you die? Are you ready? I mean, I feel a real sense of urgency. I truly do. And I'm not trying to be like, oh. I, you know, I do. I don't want any of you to go to hell. And that's the other thing. You know, Jen, um, Penn Gillette, you know, a famous atheist, you know, he, there's, a, there's a YouTube video of Penn Gillette basically saying how much he respects Christians who actually talk about their faith. If we truly believe that unsaved people are going to hell, then we should be out there yelling and screaming, jumping up and down, telling people about the Lord every single moment of our lives, right? I mean, obviously that's impossible to do, but his point was if he believed that, he would be doing it. And I can tell you guys that the purveyors of death, the purveyors of hell, the promoters of hell, we're going to look at some of this stuff today. They are unashamed of what they believe 
and and they are on that path to destruction. The the way is broad, but the way to Christ is very narrow. And the Bible says few find it. Few find it. Which means by and large that most of the people that we know they're they're going to be spending an eternity in hell. And I don't know about you, but that that scares me. Because I don't want to, I don't want to be one of those people going, oh my gosh, so-and-so is not here and they were in my life a whole lot. And I never told them about Jesus, you know, uh, this, this is, this is not a time to take your faith lightly or, you know, not to take it seriously. You, you have to, because if you don't, it's it just, it's just not a good idea not to take your faith seriously. So I will be quiet. Let Randall come on the screen and, and say some stuff as I greet some people here. I know I've talked a lot and I'm sorry. That's, that's my problem. <laughs> I, I shouldn't really apologize. Shouldn't, <sighs> shouldn't apologize for talking. No. Well, I am the uh, host. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I got to talk occasionally. On air production. Are you moderating YouTube comments? I'm trying to. I didn't. I actually, I saw that most of them were blocked out, and I don't know what happened there. I don't either. I'm mm. just wondering if someone was hacking in somehow and mm. and timing out people and hiding and hiding comments and it's kind of weird. I look back and I see this message is hidden. This user's been hidden. This person's been timed out. And I'm like, I didn't do any of that. Unless I fumbled and actually did it, but I don't think so. I think something happened. Yeah, so... That's very weird. So just so you guys know, we didn't do it. Somebody else did it. Yeah, we don't know what's going on in the YouTube comments there. Yeah, they're hiding all of the comments. That's very strange. Yeah. Okay, but now we can see them all. So, so hi. <laughs> and by the way, we do want to make a couple of announcements. Number one... Number in, one. In 2022, we may be going to just a tape show because the live show... And until we get more money to promote this show, we're not going to really, we don't have much of an audience. And so it's just easier to do the tape, the, the show taped. You can come back. <laughs> the second announcement I have is that my book Pickleball Faith is coming out next month. Yeah, it is. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But Randall, oh. I wanted you to weigh in on, on some of the stuff. And then we were, we are going to look at some of the news we pulled. On some of the stuff, we're half an hour into <laughs> It's all right. Lord uh, was just the, on my heart the, here. <laughs> some of the stuff you talked about. Yeah. Okay. Some of the stuff. Well, some of the stuff. Well, Matthew chapter seven, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you read all those verses in context, even though we skipped the first 12, those, those really belong together. Um, yeah. Something weird on YouTube. Yeah, somebody might be hacking our account. Wouldn't that be special? Yeah. Well, just know it's not us. We're not doing it. Just so you know. So. All right. So, um, I don't know how the, that would happen. But I don't anyway. Either. <laughs> but is, don't let it distract you. Get on to right. your point. Anyway. So. Yeah. You know, where we read about judging them by their fruit, you know, that's talking about false prophets and judging people by their fruit. And then we think, okay, people who are doing good things are obviously, you know, true believers. But the Lord went on to say, many will say, did we not cast out demons in your name, you know, prophesy in your name, do many miracles in your name? Those are all good things. But he says, but I will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. And that's an important thing that you brought out. I just 
want to emphasize that. It, um, being a Christian, being a Christ follower, disciple of Christ, is not about a to-do list. It's not about um, if you keep these things and do these things. And it's not a checklist because Yeshua, Jesus himself said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter into heaven. And of course, reaction was like, well, you know, well, gosh, how's that going to happen? Well, because there's no such thing as self-righteousness at the end of the day. Uh, whereas we endeavor to live a life that is pleasing to God, the scripture tells us that it is God who works in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. It's not something we can do of our own. It, it takes surrender. It takes surrender to Messiah, to the Lord, Yeshua, Jesus, and an intimate relationship with him um, to live a life that pleases God and assure entry and to everlasting life. All right, I'm done. Amen. I feel so alone now, me and my tree and bottle of lotion. Probably should have removed that before the show. <laughs> yeah, I should have. Hey, you know, I gotten some feedback from this show from some of you. A couple of you have always say that I make you laugh during my show, to which I want to say, you're welcome. <laughs> I, I'm glad I make you laugh. Somebody has to, right? So, all right. So I want to talk about Desmond Tutu a minute because um, according to CBN News um, and the Associated Press, he died this, this week. Um, he was 90 years old, which was very old. Um, he was a Nobel Peace Prize winner. Um, and I'm not going to go into all of this, but I will read part of the article. Um, it says here that he was an uncompromising foe of the country's past racist policy of apartheid and a modern-day activist for racial justice and LGBT rights. Died, he died Sunday at 90. South Africans, world leaders, and people around the globe mourned the death of the man viewed as the country's moral conscience. Tutu worked uh, passionately, tirelessly, and nonviolently to tear down apartheid, South Africa's brutal decades-long regime of oppression against its black majority that only ended in 1994. Um, the buoyant, blunt-spoken clergyman used his pulpit as the first Black Bishop of Johannesburg and later the Anglican Archbishop of Cape Town, as well as frequent public demonstrations to galvanize public opinion against racial inequity, both at home and globally. Um, he was nicknamed the Arch. Tutu was diminutive. See, this is, you know, I know I'm totally related to Moses here. I always, just so you know, I have a speech impediment, people, so don't be judging me on how I say stuff. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, an impish sense of humor, but became a towering figure in his nation's history, comparable to fellow Nobel laureate Nelson Mandela, a prisoner during white rule who became South Africa's first black president. Tutu and Mandela shared a commitment to building a better, more equal South Africa. And it goes on, talks about great stuff, you know, that he did and everything. Um, so I, I bring this up. Because I wonder if he was really saved. <gasps> I know, who am I to judge, right? 
um, you know, he he actually is being heralded for great things. I mean, he did great things. There's no doubt about it. Uh, racism, discrimination, apartheid, all things straight from the pit of hell. Right? But what I will also tell you is a lot of this man's theology is also straight from the pit of hell. So my question is, is he saved? Was he really saved? Only God knows. Only God knows. But this is just one example of of something when I see, I see a news story like this and I think, hmm, you know, you know, he is having an ecumenical memorial service. Okay. If you don't know what ecumenicalism is, the really simple, easy definition is it's basically uh, a conference of all whole bunch of different religions who basically say that there's all different ways you can get to God uh, and there isn't one way and all of that. Well, okay. If you're appealing to Muslims and Catholics and Jewish people and all that, and they all came to honor you and stuff. But you know what I didn't see in any of this stuff? I read his Wikipedia bio and all the stuff that he talked about. I didn't see much about Jesus in there at all. And if Jesus is the way to heaven and Desmond Tutu didn't do much with Jesus, then is he in heaven? That is my point. Not to be mean. I know some people, oh, you guys, you're just mean. Who are you to judge? (sighs) Who am I to judge? Well, we're told to judge those in the body. If he was really in the body, then, then where was Jesus in everything that he did? That's how easy we can be deceived. <clears throat> and I know it's not a popular message, and I apologize if that offends any of you. It's not meant to. But if broad is the way and narrow is the way, if broad is the way to destruction and narrow is the way to salvation, did Desmond Tutu enter into heaven when he died? Because he isn't being touted as being this great follower of Jesus at all. He's being touted as a noble Nobel Peace Prize winner who helped stamp out apartheid, which is a good thing. But is it better than following Jesus and doing what he said and making much of Christ and not himself? That's hard. What we believe, if you really believe what we believe, we got to be careful. And I, and I am not, I'm going to say this with very tender, with a tender touch here, but anybody who advocates for LGBT rights worldwide and advocates for the promotion of what God calls an abomination, I'd be very careful with that. And unfortunately, the LGBT lobby has done a great job, you know, Which actually brings me to my next story I want to talk about. Um, If I can find it. (laughs) I don't know what I did to it. Wait, I know it's on here because I sent it to Randall. So wait, hold on a second. Might take me a second to bring it up here because this was an interesting story when I saw it. You have it, Randall? Did you bring it up? You got to tell me. I can't yet. Yeah, hold on. I'm trying to find it. That's a story, the The, TikTok video. The two two California teachers. Okay. Yes. All right. So check this out. So this is in California. I have a lot of people I love in California. By the way, I'm so sorry you guys have to keep wearing masks out there. It's really not a not a good thing. I'm uh wait, hold on a minute. Okay. If I can actually get out of here and it will let me <laughs> 
get out of this ad. Really? Come on. Ugh. Well. <laughs> maybe you can read it. I can't read it. Or maybe I can read it on the screen so you can scroll up. I'm not going right. to read the whole thing anyway. Sure. All right. So you guys know we talk about the LGBT lobby a lot around here because we've we've exposed a lot of what happens. Um, but listen to this. Two California teachers were secretly recorded speaking about LGBTQ student outreach. Now they're fighting for their jobs. This actually surprised me when I read this, given what I know about this. Um, this fall, a pair of middle school teachers from the Salinas, Salinas Valley traveled to Palm Springs for the California Teachers Association's annual LGBTQ plus issues conference. Now, I got to tell you something. The CTA... I used to be a therapist in a school named... Actually, California Elementary School. So... For three years, I worked in the public schools. I learned a little bit about the public school. CTA is very liberal, just so you know. But um, anyway, so these guys, they went to this. Uh, in fact, when I was a therapist, um, I I went to a SESCAL conference for therapists about how to indoctrinate kids into the LGBT activism world. Um, I was actually, they attempted to indoctrinate me. It didn't work. But they attempted, and I, I mean, I, they do this. Okay, so anyway, there on Saturday afternoon, Lori Calderia and Kelly Bariaki, I don't know if I'm saying their names right, sorry, spoke to a few dozen people about a subject they knew well, the difficulty of running a GSA or gay-straight alliance in a socially conservative community, which, by the way, if you're not aware, California has a lot of conservatives, a lot of Christians in it. I got born again in California, so something good does come out of California. <laughs> Just saying. Um, it's, the, it's the government that's political that's more liberal. But anyway, speaking about recruiting students, Baraki said, when we were doing our virtual learning, we totally stalked what they were doing on Google when they weren't doing schoolwork. One of them was Googling trans day of visibility. And we're like, check. We're going to invite that kid when we get back on campus. First of all, does it bother any of you that these teachers were stalking their children? I don't know, but if I was in school and I had some professor or some teacher like spying on what I was doing, I, I would be a little concerned. And if I was a parent and that was happening to my child, you darn well bet Mama Bear would be out there, you know, like going, what the heck? Anyway, going on. Shortly after the October conference is surreptitious. surreptitious recording of the presentation was handed to a conservative writer known for asserting that transgender adolescents are a part of a dangerous craze. She published a story November 19th headlined How Activist Teachers Recruit Kids, criticizing Calderia and Baraki for actions they had seen as proper, keeping club members' identities confidential from parents and finding a couple of potential members by viewing their online activity in class. One day after the article came out, these two people, I can't say their names, so I'm not going to try, I'll just say C and B because that's anyway presentation on the difficulties of running their GSA would prove prophetic leaders of the Spreckles union school district suspended the club. Four days later, the district opened an investigation and placed the teachers on administrative leave. The controversy has roiled the small district south of Salinas and east of Monterey, alarming advocates for LGBTQ youth and marking one of a number of recent incidents in which influential conservative voices have forced the hands of local officials. 
the episode raises broader questions about educators' growing ability to monitor what students do online, which accelerated during the pandemic, and about what responsibility schools have to provide safe spaces such as gay-straight alliances for LGBTQ students who may not have support from peers and parents, blah, blah, et cetera, yada, yada, yada. Okay. Okay. Okay, you can go read the whole article. According to that thing, it takes like 16 to 20 minutes to read the whole thing. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But I will give you a thumbnail if you're new to this topic. And that is, number one, Randall and I, uh, we had the blessing many years ago, almost 20 years ago, about 17 years ago. We were invited by the Traditional Values Coalition to go in and be a spy at a GLSEN conference. And GLSEN stands for a Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network. All right. At the time, I was in graduate school, so that should tell you how long ago it was, okay? We went in as a spy to see what GLSEN was doing, and GLSEN actually oversees the Gay Straight Alliance clubs, and what I'm going to tell you is an eyewitness, I was the first, the first time I had ever done this, um, Randall and I, we go in there, we were told that they, they wanted us to collect the material that they were presenting to teachers and these kids. It wasn't just... Uh, adults it was these children as well so we got a whole bunch of documentation we took we recorded things secretly and we brought it back to traditional values i actually post uh took some of it i actually um handed it off to janet parcel at the time who was hosting a show called janet parcel's america on the moody radio uh, uh, on um, salem radio now she's on moody radio but i passed this stuff off to Janet. Janet read it on her on air. Here's what I can tell you from firsthand. And this was almost 20 years ago. I'm sure it's way worse now. Number one, they are intentionally targeting children and Christians in particular. The glisten people, the glisten, they were teaching the children and the students how to be bullies. Okay. True story. They were actually teaching them how to be bullies and teaching them intimidation tactics on how to push back anybody that said that homosexuality or that this type of club shouldn't be in there. They were teaching them to speak to power. That was the big thing, speak to power. Um, They were teaching them um, basically how to act like victims. Um, And they bad-mouthed and maligned every Christian leader in every type of big ministry out there, including the Family Research Council, Concerned Women for America, Traditional Values Coalition, Focus on the Family, um, Eagle Forum, any of the Christian political activism type ministries, they intentionally bashed and badmouthed all the Christian leaders. Now, before you go, oh my gosh, I never knew this, I will also tell you, Um, The Christians go into the left side, but the left also goes and they do the exact same thing on the, on the conferences for the Christians too. Like, like, like you'll have the family research council, big event of the year, the voter summit or whatever. You always have, I met Barry Lynn many years ago. I don't know if you know who he is. Google him. Barry Lynn uh, is, was what, I don't know if he's still living, but he was a, an atheist attorney for the Americans United uh, against Christ. Anyway, I met Barry in person. He's a very nice, affable man. Gone his way to hell, though. I mean, <laughs> he was at one of the traditional values things that I went to. So both sides go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. 
Um, I actually have a disdain for basically both sides at this point, given what I know about the Christian right as well. So I'm not even an advocate or, per, or, or anything even of those things anymore because it's politics and it's all run by money. What's at stake here is the kids. This is what's at stake. I was invited probably 15, 16 years ago. It was around the same time. I was actually invited to speak at a conference of Christian educators, uh, and they asked me to come and speak about the gay agenda. And I'll never forget this. Randall and I, we drove out to wherever it was. I forgot. But we drove out there, and uh, we spent all day. I actually met Janet Parcel um, around that time, too. And um, I remember I had about 20 kids in my class, and I did a presentation on, um, on the difference between what the Bible teaches about man and woman versus what the, the LGBT community and agenda teaches. And I had, I'll never forget, I had some kids raise their hand and, they, and they're like, can we ask you a question? And I'm like, sure. And they're like, well, you know, I'm a Christian. I believe the Bible. And um, I'm, I'm in this club, the GSA club, Gay Straight Alliance, because I just want to support my friends. And back then, that was before the big whole trans thing has come out. Well, now... Now the whole transgender movement has taken a front seat, um, you know, and it was actually around the time when I met Chastity Bono, who is the daughter of Sonny and Cher Bono. You, if you're old enough to remember Sonny and Cher, I actually met Chastity, but Chastity was going through her transition to become Chaz at the meeting. I actually also met Stuart Milk, who is the nephew of Harvey Milk, who is a homosexual pedophile that our United States of America post office actually put on a stamp lionizing this guy as some great man. Uh, by the way, he wasn't. He was a homosexual pedophile. But Stuart Milk and Chastity Bono, a.k.a. Chaz Bono, were actually speaking at this conference I got to sit in on in person. They're, they're going for your kids. Bottom line. And if anybody speaks out against it and says, you know what, uh, you're crazy, stop it, you know, you're, well, you know, then you're going to be attacked. In fact, I will say this, and then we'll get to this next story. Um, at this conference, this was a counseling conference I was at, there was a man who had transitioned to become a woman, right, leading this, this workshop, and I sat in the very back because I wanted, you know, I knew that if I sat up close, I would probably want to hit somebody, to be honest. But I sat in the very back row. And this man gets up and he's like, I just want to let you know that our goal now is to be able to advocate on behalf of parents who want their children to get hormone replacement shots so that they can transition at a young age of 10 years old and under in order to, you know, get the hormones that they need so that they can feel good in the, their bodies. <clears throat> Now, this was a man who did this to his body to become a woman, and then he changed his mind and decided he wanted to go back and become a man. By the way, just so you know, the suicide rates in the trans community is off the mark high, and it's not because our society hasn't accepted or advocated on their behalf. The irony is, if you think about it, we have completely validated it as a culture, including the wicked Supreme Court of America, which we have, um, and so that's, that's not the issue. The issue is Romans 1 where we know that there is a conscience that God has given us. And if somebody's hardened their heart, God's just going to let them go. Okay, that's it. I'm handing you over. Okay. It took 
everything in me when I watched this panel, when I saw these two parents get up with their child and they were, they were whining, oh, we can't find a medical doctor to give our little boy shots. Oh, we can't. Ugh. I tell you what, man, if I didn't have the Holy Spirit in me at that point, I would, I probably wanted, would have wanted to pummel both of those people. You talk about child you mean, abuse. You mean our little girl in a, a little boy's body. Yeah, whatever. It, Ugh. Anyway, so and that that was just like, okay. So then I raised my hand. Some of you are new. So that's why I'm sharing this. But I raised my hand at, at, at the end and I asked this guy. I said, hey, I have a question. Just question here. You know, I have a master's in clinical psychology. My bachelor's is in human development. And I know a little bit about some research and, you know, Piaget and some other people you know, who who've talked about child development and how children develop, you know, and blah, blah, et cetera. And I, I basically said, hey, you know, what are you guys going to do with the research? You know, like just as an example, the homosexual lobby has tried to convince children that are little, like in the single digits, that if they like their friend of the same gender, that they're gay, right? Now, how many of you normal people out there realize that little Matthew or Little Joey, when they're five years old, you know, their best buddy is also a guy. It doesn't mean they're gay. It just means they're developmentally at that age. It's, you know, when they get older, I mean, prior to that, they're like, ooh, that, that person has cooties. I don't want to be around. Well, hello, when you get older then, oh, 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 <laughs> hey, you see that guy over there? <laughs> or you see that girl over there? Yeah, hey, I can't wait to go on my first date. Prior to that, though, the gay lobby is trying to convince these that they're all gay if, if they don't have these normal, natural feelings. So anyway, I said this to this guy, and this psychologist, by the way, he was a psychologist, transgender, he says to me, well, we can talk afterwards, but basically the short version of this is, you know, we'll just make up our own research afterwards. To which I just was like, are you kidding me? Because I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So 1973, the American Psychological Association removed the diagnostic term homosexuality from the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, right? They didn't do it based on anything having to do with research. They did it on activism. Basically, they basically did it behind closed doors. They removed it out. It had nothing to do with research. The devil is extremely clever, okay? So you get the APA on your side saying homosexuality isn't a sin and all these other things going along are not mental disorders, then, wow, what a great card to play. Oh, you know, the APA approves of this, but it's all a lie. I can tell you, I know people who have published conservative uh, research in that field that they can never get published because... It's not allowed to be published. If you don't think censorship is happening right now, explain to me why this show has very few people watching it, even though we have all these followers. I can tell you because YouTube, Facebook, all these other platforms hide us. They spike us. Uh, you know, the fact checkers, they hide. I mean, they don't validate anything. This censorship is real. And it's real in the psychology world. It's real in the medical world. If you don't think it's real because of COVID, then excuse me, because hello, there are stuff that can treat COVID. You don't need to be put on a ventilator. Don't even get me started on that. Um, and, and, and so on. And I don't, Randall, did you want to say something before I go off on another rant? Uh, 
Uh, don't go off on the rant. Just uh, get to the article. Yeah, we've kind of lost the momentum and the context of it. <laughs> all now, right. But. All that background to bring you this article. Okay, wait. <laughs> all right. So TikTok. I don't know how many of you are on TikTok. If you are, I'm so sorry. Um, actually, that was supposed to be funny. Um, I actually got on TikTok a, a, about a year ago. And then when I found out our government banned it because it's China spyware for us, I decided, you know what? I should probably not be on this. So. <laughs> <laughs> but TikTok here is enticing kids into having trans surgeries uh, take cross-sex hormones, and child advocates are warning of this. Okay, uh, this is on the Christian Post website. Here's part of the article. It says child advocates opposed to trans ideology have warned about the risks of allowing children to use TikTok, particularly as evidence mounts that youth are being enticed to take experimental puberty blockers or puberty blockers and undergo elective surgeries to remove essential body parts. According to an analysis by the Daily Mail on Sunday, TikTok videos with the hashtag hashtag trans have been viewed over 26 billion times such videos often feature young people documenting in a fun lighthearted way the various stages of undergoing experimental hormones and irreversible body altering surgeries to appear more as the opposite sex the popular social network networking service was reportedly the most downloaded app in the uk last year <clears throat> parents in the uk are increasingly concerned that the app is fueling a contagion did i say that right Nailed it. Luring vulnerable young people into identifying as the opposite sex and potentially a lifetime of harmful repercussions. TikTok's own figures reveal that over 25% of TikTok users ages 15 to 25 and children between 4 to 15 use the service for 69 minutes per day on average. Four. What are four-year-old children doing on TikTok? Well, they're messing around. Groups critical of transgenderism say that the proliferation of the ideology on social media puts young people at serious risk, given how it's promoted as the latest trend. Stephanie Davies' area of transgender trends says TikTok is hugely influential, and it's full of videos that portray medical transition as cool and edgy. Gender is seen as the new rebellion. She added, these social media platforms that promote medical transitions should be made to include a warning on such material. I'm not going to read the rest, but you guys get the point here. Um, I will tell you that if you're new to this show, on our YouTube channel, we have a playlist called The Marketing of Homosexuality to America. I think it's eight episodes. It's eight hours of me taking a book called After the Ball that was written by two homosexual activists who are marketing experts. I actually document from that book, which is their literal playbook, how they indoctrinated the church and society. And one of the last pillars that they were trying to go after was the church. And this whole transgenderism thing, transsexual thing, etc., it falls right into that. If you really want to know the history... Watch those shows. Put up with me for eight hours and, and just go through and watch that whole playlist because you will learn stuff. I guarantee you, you will you'll go, oh, my gosh, this was marketed and we, we are we, we've been suckered, basically, you know, and I'm using their playbook. This isn't Christian material. This was written by these guys, which one of them killed themselves, by the way. Even tragic. OK, speaking of TikTok.
There's another article titled TikTok Content Moderator Sues Company Alleging Trauma from Hours Reviewing Videos of Rape and Killings, right? This, when I read this last night, I was just like, ugh, I just can't even. A content moderator who, who reviewed videos for TikTok is suing the social media company, alleging uh, that it did not protect her from suffering psychological trauma after constant exposure to violent videos that showed sexual assault, beheadings, suicide, and other graphic scenes. For as long as 12 hours each day, Candy Frazier and other moderators reviewed, quote, extreme and graphic violence, unquote, including videos of, quote, genocide in Myanmar, uh, mass shootings, children being raped, and animals being mutilated, unquote, in an effort to filter out such content from being viewed by TikTok users, according to the lawsuit. The legal action was filed in federal court in in California last week against TikTok and its parent company, ByteDance. Frazier developed, quote, significant psychological trauma, including anxiety, depression, and post-traumatic stress disorder, unquote. As a result of her exposure to the videos, according to the lawsuit, which is seeking class action status and rightfully so, the legal challenge, which alleges that TikTok violated California labor law by failing to provide, quote, a safe work environment, unquote, requests compensation for moderators who were exposed to the material. It also asks that TikTok and ByteDance provide mental health support and treatment to former and current moderators. Yeah. Um, And it goes on and talks more about that. Bearface, do you have any comment on that? I I just... Are we a middle-aged curmudgeon couple or what? It's, you know, it's here is a company, ByteDance, you know, Mm -hmm. this Chinese spyware company. Uh, You know, they have moderators to moderate the content. Um, And so they're looking out for things like mass shootings and murders and animal mutilations and rapes and, you know, stuff like that. Um, and I don't know how that all works, how if it's done in real time or, you know, how they've, you know, how that's moderated, but you know, it's that we live in a day where people will take out the cell phone. Ooh, let me capture this rape. Ooh, let me capture this murder. Let me capture this suicide. Let me capture this animal mutilation. I mean, WTF, right? I mean, where are we at morally? And and then they'll the moderating, they have these moderators, I guess forcing moderating, but but uh, videos on TikTok with the hashtag trans are viewed twenty six billion times. Let let that go forth, so that you know children ages four, you know to fifteen who aren't aren't the least bit influ you know. Uh, susceptible or influenced <laughs> come on and then the the enemy of our souls the enemy of god who's opposed to the image of god and his creation of male and female boys and girls men and women is is his really ramped up activity and um well and that okay and and that that's i'm glad you brought that up because i was going to bring it up that is why we're talking about this. Yeah. Okay. Getting back to our main topic. How do you know that you're saved? Let me ask you something. Are you speaking out against this type of stuff? Or consuming it. Or consuming it. 
I know I know a lot of Christians on TikTok, and I know a lot of Christians who who unfortunately support the gay the gay lobby. You know, um, well, who, wait, who are you to judge? Wait, go ahead. I mean, <laughs> uh, Desmond Tutu, find you know disrespect, dehumanizing in any form, racism, social, sexual orientation, whatever. I mean, to devalue de- de- someone. That and their humanity is is wrong. In any way. In any way, for right. whatever reason. Yeah. But you know, to champion LGBTQ plus rights. By, by the way, plus includes pedophilia. In case you yeah. didn't know that, and it, believe me, they are marketing that now. Yeah. If you don't believe me, Google it. Do go to YouTube and see pen. Just put in pen. Don't I hate saying that? Yeah, go to YouTube and look up pedophilia. There's advocacy even in TED talks for pedophilia to be out to be normalized. Okay, just, just so you know. Just know that if you're a student in California, your teachers may be watching uh, what you're searching for. Google. Uh, right. Anyway, but anyway. When we speak out against the lobby, it's about the promotion of sexual immorality, whether that be fornication, homosexuality, adultery, whatever. It's it's not a human right to dishonor your body and God's creation through any kind of sexual immorality. So go on. Yeah. You know, I was thinking back to the Glisten Conference and the young men that we met back then. You know, Christopher and Cedric, those were the two kids we met. Christopher was a white guy, a little white kid who had blonde hair. Cedric was a black guy. Um, Both came from Christian homes, by the way. Both didn't have fathers, by the way. Had single mothers uh, who are doing their best to try to provide for these kids, but both were heavily involved in homosexuality. And Christopher, I'll never forget it, and God bless, I, you know, I, I, I pray, and I, I, I certainly hope and pray that, that he got out of this. But Cedric, not Cedric, Christopher told me about how he was chatting in a video game platform, and a man contacted him and invited him to meet him at the mall. He took him to the mall. Took him to a hotel, actually. Met him at the mall. Took him back to a hotel. Sodomized him. That's how, he, that's how he was introduced to homosexuality. That's how Christopher was. A Christian teenager, had no father at home, was lured by a pedophile online to a mall, brought to a hotel, sodomized. And Christopher said to me, and this, this made me cry to this day. I get emotional. He said, he said, he, he said to me and Randall, kind of all like, what do you think? Am I a top or a bottom? Now, if you don't know what the heck he's talking about, good. I'm glad you're not. You're that naive. You don't know what he's talking about. At that time, I didn't really know what he was talking about. I have, I do now. What I could say is that that is minor compared to now what the heck is going on. You know, if you don't think that the devil is trying to stamp out mankind, what great way to pervert God's image in humanity May it never be us believers who follow Christ advocate for that sin because it is, it's a, it, it is a egregious abomination and it is an abomination. In the Old Testament, they wiped out this population because they didn't want it spreading, right? Here we have the whole world and America is one of the biggest purveyors of this. If you don't think God's judging America, wake up people. He is completely judging America um, and he has been for a long time. Um, but he will provide 
for his own. And you know what? You're going to be mocked. You might be killed. You might, you know, for standing for what's biblical. But you know what? Jesus died for us. So if he calls us to die for him, so be it. You know, and this is a minor issue compared to other stuff, okay? Um, I mean, it's not a minor issue, but it's it's compared to the indoctrination of the last two years with COVID, completely minor. Okay, we're going to end the show on this topic. <sighs> I yeah, Anyway, all right. So here at Bible News Radio, one of the things we've talked a lot about is we've talked about uh, the rapture in the coming in coming days, right? I mean, we're not setting a date, but I do hold the view that the, that the church will be snatched out of the world. And the question is, how will the world explain the, the all of a sudden disappearance of all these Christians in the world? I believe it's the alien gospel. Totally believe it. Uh, the alien gospel is basically this. This is kind of the short version. It's like, OK, they're going to say aliens came and they took away all of the Christians who were the resistors. And um, they were the ones who didn't want a perfect utopian society. They didn't care about climate change and the environment, blah, blah, etc. yada, yada, yada. That's how they're going to explain the, 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 the mass of missing of billions of people, right? Millions of people, whatever it is. A um, couple years ago, uh, and my friend Sylvia sent me a message this morning, but a couple of years ago, we talked about how the Catholic Church actually has an ambassador to aliens, okay? I'm not making this up. Go Google it. You, you will find these articles, right? Randall found this article this morning. NASA has hired 24 theologians for alien research. This is on the Guardian Gazette um, right there. You can see that. NASA, you know NASA, you, you know NASA. National Aeronautics and Space Administration. Yeah. So listen to this, okay? Okay, this is crazy. I mean, it's not crazy, but I mean, it's kind of crazy. NASA just hired 24 theologians for one of their new research projects. The space agency hired 24 theologians to conduct research on the topic. How will humans respond to aliens being discovered? Well, we've been kind of indoctrinated in movies, the Matrix, and, oh, you know, uh, all these other movies for decades. Star Trek, you know, <laughs> that there are aliens everywhere. Uh, but anyway, the theologians will be part of a program called CTI, Center for Theological Inquiry, that takes place at Princeton University. According to the Daily Mail, CTI's goal is to answer questions on whether or not other life forms exist outside of our solar system and deep philosophical questions such as, what is the true purpose of life? Read Ecclesiastes for the answer to that one, okay? <laughs> the program received over $1.1 million from NASA so far, so it appears they're taking this project seriously. And then it says NASA hiring theologians for all the wrong reasons. NASA wouldn't dare betray the scientific community and hire theologians to disapprove, to disprove evolution, but they're hiring them for their biblical perspective on how, on how the human race would react to proof of aliens. This is concerning for some Christians because they believe NASA is using these theologians as pawns and preparing themselves on what to expect when the Antichrist is revealed on the earth. And Mark my words, because it's God's word. There will be an Antichrist on the earth someday, people. Just so you know, I hope I'm not here to see him, because according to my theology, I won't be. I'll be gone. But there will be lots of people that will be. But anyway, it says here, this perspective may sound bizarre, but it appears once the scientific community can, quote, prove there is life outside of the planet, 
then they will conclude there's life outside of God's creations. Scientists will tout that Genesis never talked about God creating life forms in other galaxies. Not all Christians deny other life forms exist outside of our realm. Many believe the strange UFO sightings are demons or fallen angels. I would fall into that category, just so you know. The Department of Defense's UFO report... The Department of Defense released their long-anticipated UAP Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Report, which revealed 143 out of 144 UAP sightings could not be accounted for. The 144 UAP sightings were all cited by members of the military. The report was on data that has been collected by the Pentagon from 2004 to 2021, but the report was disappointing for some. That is because the Pentagon concluded they don't have a clue what the UAPs are. Do you really believe that, though? <laughs> Government officials stated there was no indication the videos and data collected show any proof of extraterrestrial activity, but they did not deny the fact that extraterrestrials could exist. So the Pentagon is no longer treating UFOs as conspiracy theories, but they are rather taking them quite seriously. They have allocated an entire department called the UAP Task Force, which collects data on UFOs and other phenomena. To be honest, an alien takeover is not what Americans should really be worried about, but rather an AI takeover is more practical. That's artificial intelligence. Uh, artificial intelligence is becoming more advanced each day. Meanwhile, engineers and scientists are working effortless, effortlessly to reach the great technological singularity that would make aliens, which we have seen in science fiction, look like child's play. And I will also say that I do believe that we are in the midst of a massive AI thing. And I do believe in the, the whole idea of transhumanism, singularity, um, uh, Amer you know, artificial intelligence, all that. It's very real, and they know exactly what they're doing. They, they are based, in a nutshell, what these atheists have done is they basically are trying to figure out how to have eternal life without God. So they, they, they are mingling technology with humanity. Thus, you have a transhuman, right? Now, interestingly, going from transsexualism, homosexuality, now we're going to transhumanism. Again, another mockery of the fact that they think that they can be God when in reality they can't. And this is a whole religion of their own, you know, just saying. I could talk a lot more, but Randall, do you want to talk? Does anybody have any comments? Uh, <sighs> well, I don't know if our YouTube comments are back in order. <laughs> I know, right? I haven't seen anything hidden or blocked in a while. I don't know what's going on there. It's, it's got me still a little unnerved. It's not that surprising. I mean, come uh, on. But, but yeah. Anyway. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it is a religion. We talked about that story a couple of weeks ago about the Church of AI or whatever yeah. actually founded as a as a religious organization. Um, and yeah, it is a religion, and just that with the with technology being what is worshipped. Ultimately, man is what's being worshipped, right? Because there wouldn't be any technology without man. I think some of it has some, you know, some demonic help. Um, but yeah, uh, anyway, but it's, 
And it's all being promoted and fed as, you know, man's evolving to a higher plane. This is good for humanity. And this is, this is the, you know, pinnacle and peak of all that mankind can be. But one of the, all the fruit of it is mankind's destruction. Well, and one of the theological debates out there is whether or not we should baptize aliens. <laughs> Hello, people. Like extraterrestrials? Yes. No. Well, the Catholic Church has already said that they will. I know. I know. So, okay, now, just so you know, let me ask you, are, are Catholics Christians? I mean, I believe some Catholics are Christians. I believe a lot aren't, though. I don't I don't believe the Pope is saved, just so you know. I I, I would Them's fighting words. I would venture to guess probably not saved, but what do I, I know? know? I'm just a little peon over here in Tennessee with big hair. Mm. Um uh, yeah. And the, and you're you're probably wondering why are you Christian why are you guys are so judgmental? Why are you talking about this? I thought you guys were godly people, sane normal people. Mm-hmm. Mm. Let me ask you something. Why do you me think, or them? just in general, the, the why do you think science fiction is so popular? I don't know if you're going to answer. Oh, that. I didn't know. What you're talking. I didn't you're, know. You I didn't know what you were general. doing in general, but it's just the question. I did. I asked you talking to me, and you said right. no, just in general. So I soloed you. So you know, because you weren't asking me. But since you're now waiting for my response <laughs> back on the screen. I am. I think science fiction is popular because because it's kind of cool. And, um, I mean, I, I enjoy science fiction. And science fiction doesn't have to involve uh, extraterrestrials. Um, it can just be advanced technology. And it doesn't have to be AI. Um, you know, there are... You know, different. Yeah, why is popular? Because it's fantasy, and you know, respects. You know, and to large respect, it's fantasy. And do you believe in the Matrix? Like that, there are movies. Yes. Do I believe that have we're taken, not actually here and we're hooked up to some have cables? You, have and, you taken the red pill or the blue pill? Neither. Well, actually, you've probably taken the red pill if you want to be honest about it. The red, the red, pill, the red pill is the one that says, oh, "I'm a, I, I'm aware of all this stuff." I'm, I'm not taking. I, I'm any just pills. kidding. We, we haven't seen the movie. Don't be judging us anyway. Even most of you guys see worse stuff. I saw but, the original. Um, but well, I, I bring this up for a reason though, because they just released this. This is a big Christian, the big movie. The, was it like Resurrection or something? Yeah, The Matrix Resurrection. It's the mm. new movie out that everybody is watching now. It's rated oh. R, which means it's restricted for people who have, you know, you shouldn't watch it. Morals. It's, right. Well, I can't say. I mean, you know, it's probably rated R for violence, not sex. I don't know. I haven't seen it. But what I will say. Well, violence is, is always is, good. Is the. Well, violence always gets a free pass. The. No such thing as gratuitous the violence. The story, though, that it's promoting, if you think about it, is very interesting in light of our culture and what's happened in the last couple of years, especially. But really, since, you know, 
we were in high school last 40 years. It's like, it, it reminds me of the Truman Show. You know, here was the guy who was living inside this big thing. He didn't realize he was actually part of a show. He was stuck, quote unquote, in this particular spot until he realizes one day he's in there and then he can escape and get out of that mindset. Mm-hmm. I would say to you, dear fellow believer listening to the show and watching us, that reality is found only in Jesus Christ. Reality is in God's word, which you need to read and you need to memorize it and you need to get your butt into a Bible study. You need to be in fellowship with people who are reading the Bible. You need to be spending time in prayer and you need to be telling people about what's in the Bible. Because all of these different worldviews that we look at throughout all this stuff we're talking about, whether it's the, do you know the movies are the number one purveyor of worldview and morals in the culture, okay? So if you if you have five billion gazillion people watching The Matrix Resurrection, which there was something like 45 million views on the trailer on YouTube, okay? I saw that. I'm like, oh my gosh. The whole world is going to watch this movie. You got to ask yourself, why is Keanu Reeves and others who are in that movie, why are they out there promoting this movie? What is the message that they're trying to sell you? The, the message is not from God, okay? The, the message... Or is it? I, no, it's not from God. Um uh, the media is run by the devil. Okay. Just for the most part. Well, then you're part of the media. Stacey Lynn Harper, you're part of the devil. Well, the devil likes to hide my stuff. So it tells you something. <laughs> There's no ambiguity. What we're about. We're about Bible news. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so you gotta you gotta think about what it is that they're they're promoting to you, um, you know, uh, it, it, just think, but think within a biblical construct by reading the Word of God, which is why here at Bible News Radio, Heart Talk International, we have opportunities for you to join Bible studies with me and and Randall. Um, I actually have a brand new Bible study coming out starting January 20th. It's called, How Do You Walk the the Walk You Talk? And this is an inductive Bible study. It's actually a no-homework Bible study. I have eight spots left. If you're interested, contact me through my website or social media. You can get in touch with me. I'm actually buying the books, the books for everybody. And we're going to look at the book of Ephesians and look at how do you know you're saved? Basically, how do you, how do you, how do you walk with the Lord in this culture, especially, you know, um, all the homework is done in class. So you don't even have to worry about that. If you got 90 minutes, one day a week, you can spend it with me for six whole weeks. And you'll be like, wow, I can't believe it. I get to be with Stacey Lynn for a whole 90 minutes. (laughs) it's usually longer but it's only because we get taught we get into these talks and we're looking at the word and we're like wow this is amazing um but we do have these we do have these studies we also have um uh bible reading accountability groups which i'm going to be starting up another one in february Uh, if that's something you struggle with if you struggle with reading the bible guess what we're here to help if you can't get my group i'll send you to my friend pam you can go to her group um and you get with community of people on zoom every day and or a couple times a week 
and being accountable with where you're reading in the Bible. You get your questions answered. God begins to move in your life. You're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Um, we're supposed to make disciples, which is why we also have a daily disciple Facebook group where we have a team of great people in there reading the Bible every single day. And I'm really super happy about this. In Facebook, we've read 35 books of the Bible out loud in Facebook in that group. 35 books. There's 66 books. We've read half the Bible out loud on Facebook in that group. And people's lives have been changed. That's why we exist. That's why Randall and me do what we do. Heart Tug International is our nonprofit. If you want to support the work that we do, please consider donating to us. Become a monthly pillar of our community and donate and help us get the word out. Help us to uh, be able to make this a full-time job so that we can both, you know, put out the stuff God's called us to, to do and, and help us. We need the help, right? I mean, we can't do everything for free. And right now, that's kind of what we're doing. Um, if you need counseling, Hey, yours truly is a therapist. Just so you know, we offer biblical counseling and believe me, you'll get biblical counseling from me. Ask the people I've counseled. <laughs> They'll go, yeah, that's right. And she'll tell you how it is too. And I will with love, of course. Um, so we do that. And then of course I do want to tell you, I am finally extremely happy about my new book, Pickleball Faith, which I think Randall has the copy, the cover up, I think. Pickleball Faith, you guys know I've been talking about this book for three years. It has taken me a long time to get this book written because I was dealing with my dad and just dealing with life and stuff, but that is the cover Randall made. Um, it is, my goal is to have this out by the end of January. I think it will be out probably before then because we've almost got it completely edited. But this is a book about relationships, about what God has showed me on and off the court. Um, and it, it, it's not a book. If you want to know how to play pickleball, like the actual rules, this is not that book. Okay. I don't want anybody calling me going, you know what? I bought your book pickleball faith so I can learn how to play pickleball. <laughs> that is not what this book is about. You can go to Amazon and find books like that. This book is really about lessons God has taught me. Uh, through the community that I have at Pickleball and, you know, how he's done some miracles. You know, it's about perspective. It's about relationship. It's about how to look at things differently. It's about how not to be, don't be like me. Don't be selfish in certain things. Um, and it, it will change. It, it, it could change your life. I'm not going to say it will, but it's definitely something that you could, you'll, you'll feel when you read it. Uh, um, and so we're hoping to have that up for pre-order on our website soon. Um, and I've, I actually have had people ask me to autograph it. I mean, that's not something I really care about doing. But I guess if people want that, I'll sign it for you. Um, I kind of think that's silly myself, but whatever. Um, but the book itself is, it will be a great tool to give you a different perspective and uh, you may either hate me or love me more after. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but those are some of the things that we have going on um, at our ministry. Um, and uh, next year, Randall and I hope. Randall's got a new book coming out. Um, he's got some music that he has done. Randall, do you want to talk a little bit more about some of the stuff that you're going to be doing? Um, sure. There he is. He's back. Yeah, I am. Um, 
Yeah, actually, I'll be, I'm working on the second edition of my devotional book, uh, Illumine Me. The original um, had uh, 40 devotionals in it. I was going to go 77, uh, another biblical number, but recently received advice that I should go for 90, you know, because it better fits with the calendar. So we've got like 90 days. Uh, devotional so i'm probably going to go with the 90 you just need to add what um 13 more right 13 Ooh, there's another <laughs> number of sort of anyway uh not biblical um and then yeah i've i've got trying to do more music um something i've been doing all my life but uh just trying to be a little more intentional about that if, um, yeah, I'm, I'd say just, uh, if you can find my author page on Facebook, Randall K. Harp, the author, um, you can stay up to date on that kind of stuff. That might be something we can also put on our heart tug site too. Yeah, that too. Biblenewsradio.com people go there. You can donate. Be part of our show. Get on my email list. I send out email almost two or three times a week, sometimes less, sometimes more. Um, text message. If you want to get alerted to the show, you can text Bible News to, what is it, 223, what is it, 33222, <laughs> down there on the ticker. Um, and if you want to be accountable, then you can also have, if you text Team Unstuck, to 33222. I send out a text every day saying, hey, where are you reading the Bible? Text me back. And there's a lot of people on that list that don't actually do that. I get on them occasionally and say, okay, people, you need to let me know. That's why you're on this list to be accountable to me about what you're reading. I don't, I'm not, not going to go to your house and yell at you and go, you're supposed to be reading the Bible. But, you know, part of the accountability piece is responding to the question. <laughs> Uh, and it will change your life. That's the thing. It will totally change your life. So with that said, Randall and I want to wish you a happy new year. Uh, 2022 is right around the corner. We pray that you have a great year. Thank you for being a part of our, uh, our friend, our audience, you know, for the last, for this last year in particular, it's been a hard year for a lot of us, but God is good, you know, and I will tell you, God is good. He does good. And he loves you. And if you don't know Jesus, then I would encourage you to open your Bible. Go Google a Bible if you don't own one. Start in the Gospel of John and just read it and see who Jesus is. And then do what he said. Follow him and he will make you fishers of men. That actually is probably in the Gospel of Matthew. You can read Matthew and probably see that. But you can learn about who he is and, and become a follower of Christ. And your life will change because he loves you. And then your eternity will change. You'll be in heaven with him forever. And uh, it'll be all good, you know? So there you go, people. As I always say, be bold. Stand up and go with God because he loves you. And one of the things that we do here is we try to reach the hearts of people one verse at a time. And I hope you join us in doing that next year. Take care.